So Scott, today we've got Real Water Sports and Neat Essentials with us, realwatersports.com. They did the surfboard giveaway last month. I have yet to see who the winner was uh, revealed to be, but they picked that yesterday. So they should be posting that on social media today, I believe. Um, but we had Trip Foreman on the show last week, and that was cool. It was great. I really enjoyed Trip being there, and he filled in for my horrible voice being all messed up. So um, I look forward to having Trip on more. He's he's uh, you know highly uh, intelligent and knowledgeable, and uh, he's been in the space for a long, long time. So twenty years. And you know what's cool too is that he he also brings an East Coast voice to the show, which is which is you know needed. You know as as is the case really for all the different coasts of this globe, you know, you and I come at it from a pretty um, Southern California uh, prism, you know, looking at through a Southern California prism, but uh, it's cool to have a, a voice from the East coast and um, it'd be fun to have, you know, some, some Hawaiian voices come on occasionally and, uh, and the like, you know, maybe an Australian or a Brazilian or whoever, you know, I've been criticized in the past for our show being way too Southern California centric and uh, so, yeah, I'm totally open to that. Um, the one, I don't know if you noticed, but uh, at the boardroom show, Trip had a filmer with him the entire time. And it's actually Brett Barley's filmer who films for a lot of his blogs. But um, Real Water Sports, just as a business, has invested pretty heavily in video production. And one thing that they do on their website that I think is like an educational tool, basically, is surfboard reviews. Um, so they get new boards in triple ride it a couple of times and then he'll review it, or they have actually team riders that review them as well. And, you know, if you go to an individual surf, like channel islands website, they'll review their own boards. But what's interesting about real water sports is it's like an aggregate for all the different board brands. It's a one-stop shop. So you can learn about Christensen's boards. You can learn about Aquila Ipa's boards. You can learn about channel islands, boards, lost boards, all there as a one-stop kind of video education resource. And so um, you can find it on realwatersports.com or on their YouTube channel. So that's cool. Yeah, no, that's great. I look forward to engaging with their website and engaging with Trip more and uh, <clears throat> good stuff over there at Real Water Sports. And of course, Neat Essentials dropped Lost Track Atlantic about two weeks ago now. It's the final part in their um, Atlantic series of the Lost Track uh, series of films and it's epic they go through um kind of finish in africa you get to see their filmer ishka folkwell finally take to the water and shred a couple <laughs> of rights which is nice what i was just that? thinking you know it'd be funny is like okay it's the finale like we've seen two different four-part series i think i think they've been four-part but what i was thinking was wouldn't it be funny if at the end they actually like got in a fight, you know, like a sincere, <laughs> a sincere fight where it's like, we've been spending way too much time together and eventually it gets crazy. They get drunk and they start, they get in a brawl and it just so happens that Ishka's camera is rolling. How do you not? How There's do you so not many fight funny, like kind of for being, being on the road for three months with somebody. How do you not get into fights? Yeah, there's just a lot of fun little parody things that you could do almost because it's it's so beautifully done that um, it'd be fun to like, I don't know, even see some outtakes or something funny. You know? Totally. Uh, well, because if anything, it's a little bit it's a little bit serious, like the tone of those things is a little bit like it's it, it's kind of got this 
it just is what it is. I mean, it's beautiful. They're they're well done, but it'd be fun if they poked fun at themselves somehow, which they kind of do. Yeah, I yeah, talked to Torn. I talked to Torn about it. Um, he spent the last few months. So Ishka came home from that trip, and he's got a baby now. And um, yeah. Torn's been traveling. With it. No, it's been he's been tra- <laughs> Torn's been traveling with his girlfriend. Torn's a great name, by the way. Torn Scales. It is. Right? By the way, I what's mean, up with? Where are you guys at? It's funny you should ask, Scott. Hey, I was just listening to the episode with you and Scott Bass on Spit about uh, kid names for, with tools. And I was actually thinking that Planer is not a bad name. Planer is a pretty solid boy's name. Just throwing it out there. As we see some movement at the takeoff zone. It's Kelly Slater grabbing rail. A clean entry. This thing holding open. It spits. Uh, when it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit. Spits him out. Comes out after the spit. Gets spat out of another good looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, I got Another another listener wrote in and he said, I heard you guys discussing boys' names on the show. Scott jokes about going into Home Depot to pick up a name. Our nine-year-old num is our nine-year-old is named Sander. My wife wanted See? to call him Xander with an X, but I thought the X was too wanky. So hearing Scott's advice and learning that the Sander is often thought of as the most important contributing uh contribution to the board builder, but often under acknowledged, it makes me think that it's an excellent name for a son who would be a surfer. Sander, his Sander is also a micro, a frothing microgram that you could follow at Sandoland on Instagram. Uh, he said, I moved to the Northern beaches in 2008 from San Francisco and listening to get you guys makes me feel connected to the California scene. Keep up the good work. Cheers, Tim. Well, that's cool, Tim. God bless Sander. And and planer, what a cool name, planer, right? And I mean, um, the opportunities are endless. Just walk the aisles of Home Depot. And I completely, uh, I'm behind this whole concept of naming your kid, your son after a tool. I, you know, often, I think just don't recognize the genius of some of your ideas. You say them, they sound asinine to me and I move on. (laughs) And then then listeners, I don't acknowledge it on air. And then listeners chime in with stuff like that. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. Those are, those are some pretty solid options. See, I was thinking, Oh, what about claw? Like a claw hammer. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. That's perfect. Claw Warbrick from rip curl. That's a, that's a claw hammer is the reference, right? Claw is epic. Yeah, I don't know what the reference is with Claw Warbrick, but um, it might be the hammer, but that's what I'm talking about. The hammer's and, a cool know, name too. Exactly. Planer, hand, hammer, sa- sander. You know. I really, I really overlooked the genius of this idea. Yeah, there's, there's some, it has some, it holds some water. It doesn't always work. You know, there's going to be, you don't want to call your, your kid, you know, I don't know. Makita, maybe not. What's wrong with Makita? That's actually a name. So we keep trying to think know. of bad names, and they just sound cool. What about Cushion? No, I don't like it. That's uh, no. not. Also, that's on the list of. Uh, okay, <laughs> <laughs> Scott's holding up bunion cushions on air. 
listeners can't hear that, but just, just look around you and you'll find a, some great names, you know? Uh, well, call us in, call us in officially. Yeah. To the show. Oh, call us in. Oh, sorry. Yeah, guy. Yeah, guy. The voice is back. Yeah, guy. David Lee Scale, Scott Bass with you on this Wednesday morning. We are spitballing. It is spit, the uh, show where we talk all things surf and occasionally baby names. Welcome, David. Thank you, Scott. Glad to have you back. How long? When did you get your voice back? I got my voice back probably um, last weekend, a few days after you and I and Tripp spoke. Was it painful? The, the voice thing was painful. I, you know, my energy level was fine. I just couldn't talk, you know, and I still have a little bit of it going. Yeah. I, I was wondering. Wonderful that... fisherman's friends lozenges. Does that I found help? these wonderful throat lozenges. Yeah, they're great. Uh, I'm on one right now. It sounded awful, but I didn't know if it was just sounded bad or if you were actually suffering through that last episode or not. It sounded like death. It really did. It was kind of cool, to be honest. Somebody said you sounded like Tom Waits. Have you ever, you probably not, you're not like a mainstream sports guy, but there was a sports talk radio guy that was sort of a cutting edge, kind of out there, outlandish uh, sports talk radio guy. His name's Scott Farrell. And he's still out there. I think he's still on the air. But he's got that sort of like partied all night voice constantly. Yeah. I, it's, uh, it's cool. It's got, it's got character to it. It seems like you lived a life. If your voice sounds like that. Um, my voice sounded like that for about <laughs> years. <laughs> um, more on that next episode. Um, yeah. well, we've got a big oil spill. We've got, um, challenger series in the water. We've got a scales of justice submission from a listener, various things going on. I'm curious, first of all, Scott, how did Facebook's crashing affect your life? I'm it did not affect my life at all. Great. Answer. I'm, I'm extremely anti Facebook. I'm not a fan. Um, I'm disappointed that Instagram is owned by Facebook because I do like Instagram, but um, didn't affect me. How about you? I was thrilled. I had a weird premonition days prior and it, it wasn't a proper premonition, but I just had the thought on the weekend. What if the entire internet shut down? And I know it's all decentralized, so that's actually not like that wouldn't happen, but I just thought, how would our lives be affected? And my initial thought was our lives would actually be better for a day or two that that all went down. Unfortunately, we would also lose any way to run a transaction or anything like that. But even that, I think we could survive without for a day or two. Um, and I just thought that'd be a really nice reprieve. There'd be chaos that spun out because of it, but it would be a really nice reprieve probably take the day off work, probably wouldn't even drive anywhere. Maybe we'd stay home since there's no TV. Maybe we'd read a book. Maybe we would commune. We would spend time together, you know? And so Insta the Instagram thing being down, Facebook being down, WhatsApp, it wasn't long enough, I think, for any of that stuff to nest and set in. 
it was only long enough for everybody to feel a tremendous amount of anxiety and then go onto Twitter and like for the first time in a year, you know, take all yeah. that onto Twitter and just be like, why is it all down at the, or next door app or LinkedIn or wherever else people get together. Um, but I want to see it go on more. You know, I would love if it went down for like a week. Yeah. As I mentioned, I'm not a big fan of Facebook and I, I do think it has too much power. Um, I'm not an expert, of course, but I sense that, you know, I don't want to get into it too much here, but I think that there should be uh, some antitrust legis- uh, litigation yeah. in the Department of Justice. But anyway. Yeah, they'll catch up to it. I hate They'll Facebook. catch up to the tech. <laughs> I know, you're going off. <laughs> what do you hate about it? I mean, just the legal kind of what you just said, that's what you hate about it, or you just hate using it? You hate being tied to it. Both. Using it's really difficult. It's just, they constantly are changing the user interface. You never know where you're going. And you just get the feeling that they want you to be lost, you know, and they take it all. And it's just not very intuitive. It's just, it's, it's just way too big. It's way too Zuckerberg. It's way too much. It's, it's, it's kind of, it's just lame. I, I don't use it. So, you know, I'm free from it, which I oh, do occasionally that. use it for work. I do have to use it for work because a lot of people do use it, but I just, you use, you fan. use Instagram. I do. I use Instagram. Which is Facebook. Entity. I know. Right. Yeah. But yeah, that's disappointing, but yeah. you know, it's, you know, so you kind of have to use Facebook. Like if you want to run ads on Instagram, you have to use exactly. Facebook. Yeah. yeah. That's the problem. That's the problem that I feel uh, in addition to everything you said, which I, I do agree with is I don't like um, being beholden to them. If you want to run yeah. a business, you really are yeah. beholden to them, you know, yeah, you for are. a long time, for a long time, I was posting our podcasts on Facebook. And then I realized the engagement was just dropping, dropping, dropping. And they kept asking me to buy advertising. So then if you buy the advertising, of course, you get engagement. And so what ultimately the process that they ran me through was if you want to engage with your own listenership, the fans that you've developed organically, you're going to have to pay to access exactly. those fans. And years ago, it wasn't that way. It was exactly. just- Exactly. Yeah. I know. Now so, they're like, hey, do you want to reach some of the people that we've- It's like, that, it's bullshit, man. It's yeah. total bullshit. So and I don't- oh, So I way, just- uh, I-, I I will make this call right now. I bet in five years, Facebook is done because their demographic, like there's not, none of my, none of, none of the younger people go on Facebook at all. My kids, my 20 year old kids have nothing to do with it. It's all like 50 year old people that are on yeah. Facebook that barely know how to use it. And they like it because they don't know how to use their phone. You're so I don't think you can, uh, discount that demographic that much. They do know how to use their phone. They do know how to use Facebook. They're using Facebook marketplace. They're using it in a different way than the youth used it. But that's you're, when you're saying Facebook will be gone, maybe facebook.com might not have the relevance it has now, but Facebook as a corporation will not be gone because right. when they saw that transition happening, that's why they bought Instagram. And as new transitions happen, they'll buy those things as well, or they'll develop, you know, a, a version of the new thing Which faster why than there the startup. An, antitrust. It's, yeah. It's better totally. for capitalism if we just have more companies competing for you and I, not just one big conglomerate that owns the space. It's too much power. Totally. I agree with you. I agree with you. And I'm glad that it didn't affect your life. That was the answer. By I the way, to hear I'm, from you. 
Thank you, David. I'm fascinated that this Facebook discussion took the place of one of the craziest oil spills. I mean, to me, this should have been our lead story. And it wasn't. And that's on you and I, because we're both kind of didn't like interrupt the conversation to go, wait a minute, wait a minute, we've got to talk about this environmental catastrophe that's happening in your hometown. This is the main story of the show. Um, so yeah. we will spend the most time on it. Um, it's crazy. So the the details for those of What's listeners who haven't, yeah, who haven't uh, been watching any of the news, because this is an international story at this point. There was a oil spill off the coast of Huntington Beach. It's a giant oil spill. 144 million gallons is what the most no. recent number I saw. Million or a thousand? 144,000. Oh, okay. 144,000. It was originally 126, I think is what they reported, but 144 is the most recent. It's a 13 mile wide slick. Um, it turns out that they think a boat anchor is what broke the pipeline and it actually dragged it. So the, the pipe, which normally, you know, runs, let's a, a straight line got dragged 105 feet off of where it should have been. And on kind of like a bow, like almost like pulling a bow. And at the apex of where that bend is, there was only a 13 inch tear. So not a huge tear, but 13 inches and it took them three hours to shut off the pipeline. So it was just pumping oil into the ocean for three hours out of that 13 inch tear, which equated to 144,000 gallons. And um, they, they closed, it's right out of Huntington, Huntington Beach. So they've closed Huntington and Newport beaches. I saw people surfing yesterday, just north of that in that Bolsa Chica zone. So that isn't closed, but um, I think you'd have to be fairly brave soul to go into the water there, you know, because yeah. all that Bolsa Chica wetlands is affected by it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a sad situation. South swell, obviously, which whichever direction the swell is, is going to push that oil one way or the other. Um, and it, it's, I don't know. I, I don't know where to start other than to say it's disgusting. It, it, it bums me out. Um, and, and it's kind of like as surfers, you and I are throwing our hands in the air and going, what can we do about this? Like, what is it that I can do? You know, do I have any recourse? Well, there might be, there's probably plenty of options, but I would first rely on the Surfrider foundation. Um, Chad Nelson is the CEO of the Surfrider foundation and he lives just, he lives right between you and I actually in Laguna area. And, um, he sent an email out immediately and he's, you know, calling for donations, but saying, here's the three things that your support would do. Number one, it'll hold polluters accountable. Um, this includes enforcing the oil spill preventage, preventive, preventative and response act, which requires companies to mitigate ecological harm after a spill and prevent future spills, meaning that those companies have to have a plan in place to clean this stuff up. Number two, it protects wildlife and people. So it'll push government agencies and responsible parties to conduct full and comprehensive cleanup efforts that remove oil from coastal habitats and protect public health and safety. And number three, it attacks the root of the problem. Um, before we have another spill, we must stop the deadly extraction of fossil fuels now. 
Surfrider Foundation is urging Congress to permanently prohibit new offshore drilling in the Pacific, Atlantic, and Eastern Gulf of Mexico. So you could donate there. That's what you could do. Huh. So you're saying I should donate to the Surfrider Foundation? If, I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, I already do support the Surfrider Foundation, but, you know, yeah, this is an additional effort. Um, I, I so, think that that there's enough disgust because it's an international story that um, we're going to have way more. Um, there's going to be all sorts of authorities that are going to be on this. I don't think that um, the Surfrider Foundation is going to sink any teeth into this. This is going to go way beyond them. This is going to go to the Department of Justice or for sure the California State Attorney General. Um, the oil, big moneyed oil lobbies are well entrenched in legislation. And so the Surfrider Foundation is somebody who's been there fighting against that all the time, you know, year in and year out Absolutely. when there's no spill. So they're the ones exactly. who I feel, I feel have the actual research and, uh, you know, all that stuff done. And I'm glad that now, of yes. course, because it's an international story, what you're saying is true and other people will get involved and they'll expedite the process. But Surfrider Foundation is who I would trust to kind of guide this the right direction. I would agree um, with that. I, I agree. I'm not, I'm, I, I think that the Surfrider Foundation, the stuff they do when they're, like you said, that when there is no oil spill, sets it up so that when there is, they can push the right buttons and get the attorney general involved and so forth. Or when, so or when the attorney general asks for an expert in the room, they're there holding their, you know, right. raising their hand. Right. Um, one thing that I found really compelling is you see all this imagery of the cleanup efforts. It looks so juvenile. Like it's people with bags hazmat suits of course but they have bags yeah, and they're like picking up a clump of oil and throwing it into a bag like you and i would like if you and i went down to go clean up we would implement the efforts that they're doing you and i are amateurs we'd be volunteers i thought those people were experts i thought those people had some sophisticated uh vacuuming a system shop vac i want to see a shop vac you know a really sophisticated elon musk or maybe the dyson version of a shop vac you know yeah. that like yeah comes down off a drone and then it's like it's spreading ocean water that way sucking up oil this i don't know i don't know what can exist yeah. all i know is they show up they've got like a a tent set up not even a tent <laughs> they have like a easy up set up towels plastic bags and that's it and it's like they're just gonna go like dab it and mop like it's insane to me completely insane and that's where i think Maybe the, the Surfrider Foundation is like some of their legislation is, hey, we have, they have, the oil companies have to fund and have methods in place for how to contain this stuff once it yeah. ultimately spills. Because what they're doing yeah, now right. looks so rinky dink. It's crazy. Yeah. You get the feeling that the oil companies like raise their hand and go, oh, yeah, yeah, we got that. And they just go, oh, by the way, go to Home Depot. Yeah. Get a bunch of stuff. We're going to need some plastic, you know, some gloves and some trash bags and get some donuts while you're there and set up an easy up. And we'll just look like we're doing the job. That's the I mean, vibe that... you get. Like all of this incredible infrastructure on these oil rigs, you'd think that they could invest in some really killer cleanup stuff. It's a hundred percent what exists is what you just said. Yeah. And then you get the pulled back shot from a helicopter. It's this giant oil slick. 
and there's a couple of little boats where they're like leaning out the side trying to corral oil it looks like a completely lost cause you know and yeah. i understand it's freaking hard if i spill if i spill olive oil in my kitchen yeah. drop an egg it's a freaking pain in the butt to clean up. And there's always a little bit of slick there for the next like week or two until it gets cleaned five times, you know? Um, so it's no small effort, but there are smart people out there and there's billions and billions of dollars being earned by these companies that you would think they can allocate some of that resource towards figuring out how to, sep oil and water separates naturally, how to collect that oil off the water. So from a 30,000 foot level, um, what's the real answer to this problem? And the real answer is we've got to get off of carbon, you know, fossil fuels. We've got to get off of fossil fuels. We've got to get off of oil. And that simply just doesn't seem doable. Um, I'm not an expert at all. So I'm probably going to trip over my tongue here, but, um, you know, I think solar and wind en energy are, are possible options. But again, I'm not an expert and maybe there are limitations there that I don't know about. However, David, I have got some good news. Tell me. I don't, I don't know if you read about this. Somehow this came across my desk and I found it fascinating. MIT designed project achieves major advance toward fusion energy. This is a, a news story that I want to just quickly read if I may I want to hear trying it. to bore without trying to bore anybody it was a moment three years in the making based on intensive research and design work on September 5th David a month ago for the first time David a large high temperature superconducting electromagnet was ramped up to a field strength of 20 Tesla the most powerful magnet field of its kind ever created on earth. David, that successful demonstration helps resolve the greatest uncertainty in the quest to build the world's first fusion power plant that can produce more power than it consumes, David. This is all according to the project leaders at MIT. This advance, David, paves the way for the long sought creation of practical, inexpensive carbon-free power plants that could make a major contribution to limiting the effects of global climate change. And I'm gonna quote here, fusion in lots of ways is the ultimate clean energy source says MIT's vice president of research, Maria Zuber. The amount of power that is available is really game changing. The fuel used to create fusion energy comes from water and the earth is full of water. It's nearly an unlimited resource. We just have to figure out how to utilize it. And um, basically, there was one other quote in here which I found really fascinating. I'm not sure if I can get to it, but um, basically, the people at MIT are saying, this is a really, really big moment. We now have a platform that is both scientifically very well advanced because of the decades of research on these machines and magnets, and is also, and this is most important, it is now commercially very interesting. What it does is allows us to build devices faster, smaller, and at less cost, he says, of the successful magnet demonstration. David, I don't know anything other 
there's a deep dive here on fusion energy. But what I'm getting is that they're very excited about the possibility that we're closer than we've ever been to creating a never-ending uh, energy source. So anyway, uh, that's that's enough. Considering we're a surf podcast, I didn't mean to bore the intro, uh, the listeners. I don't understand how fusion works. And can you take <laughs> that energy and run a car on it? Again, In theory, they could design I, a system that would, right? Yeah, the point is, is that they've done a test that basically said, hey, we can now build power plants using this technology. So we can do in a commercially massive... viable thing. Yeah, yeah they could yeah. always build them like in a test thing, but now they've got enough magnets together all in one uh, situation where they can like go, hey, let's build a power plant, not a new, let's not build a nuclear power plant. Let's build a clean energy source one. And so anyway, we'll see where it you, takes us. Maybe you know what the one, fluff. I don't. You, the one problem, problematic quote was the woman from MIT saying, water is nearly an un, unlimited abundance on earth. I feel like they yeah. used to say that about oil, you know? And it's kind of like, well, you think it is until you start, you, we start consuming tremendous amounts of it. But then also, even if we don't use all of it, using a large portion of it might spin off uh, negative effects for earth in the way that uh, fossil fuels have created climate change, you know, yeah. just using water in that way might create climate change or some other uh, unforeseen side effect. So hold for your sure. horses, for lady sure. from MIT. Yeah. And I mean, look, you know, it's like yin and yang for every cause. And there's always, you know, what comes in, something else must come out for sure. There's probably going to be issues, but uh, anyway, you know, what, you know, what concerns me is that the richest people on earth, um, Musk, Bezos, Richard Branson, they're devoting tremendous amount of resources and energy to getting off the planet. <laughs> yeah. You know, they yeah. all are focused on Bezos is wearing his cowboy hat and his, he's like going off. Uh, obviously, Musk has dedicated a company to it. Richard Branson beat, beat Bezos to the job like a couple days prior by sending his rocket up. Uh, they're focused on getting out of here. What do they know that we don't know? I don't know. I think they should spend more time in the now, in the moment, just in quiet contemplation. I think they are. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think they probably are. into meditating. Yeah, I think probably. Right. Um, well, here's what else one do you thought, got, my friend. Well, no, I got a thought yeah. about the oil spill. So here's yes. a really interesting you, thing. Yeah, yeah. I've never been in this position where I just can't surf. You know what I mean? Like we hit Man. lulls. We hit lulls no, where there'd be the, no swell. We had the for... COVID lockdown. You had the COVID lockdown. You couldn't surf. I pretty much surfed through that. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> right. Up there. Up there, it was different, huh? Up in Orange County. I, I laid low, you know, a little bit and certainly didn't talk about it on the podcast, but certainly laid low and like wasn't surfing as frequently as I would be if it was open. But this is the first time where it's literally... I'm not waking up in the morning, checking a surf report or thinking in the back of my mind about what the waves are doing, because it doesn't matter what the waves are doing. They're simply not going surfing. There is, I mean, it's not like, oh, the water's contaminated, but it looks fine. I know there's a contaminant, so I'm going to avoid it. This looks terrible. This is black oil slicking up in the waves, on the beach, on the sand, leaving black slick trace everywhere so you just look at it you go there's i'm not going i would not go out there if somebody paid me to go out there you know so it's a bizarre psychological um 
effect in my life that I've never encountered before. Well, let me ask you this. When is this going to end? When do you see yourself being able to paddle out at Huntington Beach Pier? There's, it's uh, indetermined, you know, I don't know. I have no clue. And how I, many I actually, surfers are affected? Good question. Thousands, for sure. No, more than that. I would say that, are there a million you, surfers in Orange County, do you think? I don't think so. I mean, you say more than a thousand, but I could go, I could honestly count every day if I really wanted to, Yeah. you know, and there's, there's, you're not shoulder to shoulder with people. It's pretty spread out. Um, yeah. So I don't know, 10,000, 20,000. Um, but it's a really weird thing to have no end in sight even, you know? So it's like, what am I doing this week? Well, I guess I could actually drive down to San Diego. I could drive up to LA, although nobody wants to go surf LA. Um, you so know, the strange, I don't know if it's an, I, I don't know if it's an irony, but <clears throat> as you know, um, Huntington beach, Huntington, Mr. Huntington was an oil baron. That was what he did. He, that's how Huntington beach came to be. It was, and you it's can see it today. There's, there's still oil, oil derricks all around there. So it's, um, you know, again, Even, I don't think it's irony. It's just, a, it's just, it's well, part it's, of the culture of Huntington beach is it's an oil town. There's no irony at all. It's actually very practical that it would happen there is because it's an oil yeah. town. That's where the spill. Right. Would be. Um, right. Yeah. But there's still, if you drive around in downtown in between these, you know, million and a half, $2 million homes on the residential street, there'll be an empty lot that has the Derrick in it still pumping oil, you know, which is an interesting thing. It's like, yeah, because that's generating more revenue than the $2 million home would generate. That's worth more. Right. So yeah, kind the of city's like, we'll take the tax revenue off of that oil, Derek, and never mind the eyesore. For sure. For sure. Um, so interesting. Uh, Hawaii comps are canceled. Surf comps, regional WQS, um, WSL contests are canceled regionally for Hawaii despite the fact that football, soccer, other games are still taking place. This was um, an island ABC affiliate reported that they canceled another qualifying event, citing state mandates for the number of people allowed to gather together. Former pro surfer Kahea Hart told the station that I'm taking it more as a cultural insult as a Hawaiian and watching football, soccer, and those sports being able to be played while surfing, which is outdoors, and there's only four competitors in the water, socially distanced, our ancestors did that. It's not right. Football players are all tightly uh, grouped together on the line, going head to head, coughing, spitting, grunting, pushing into each other, tackling one another. How much more safe is that? than for surfers to be in the water, not touching. That's Kahea's he take brings up the Yeah, Kahea brings up a great point. It does not make sense when you see these football stadiums packed with people uh, every weekend on TV. It's just like mind blowing actually, but maybe we're getting to a place of, of um, you know, immunity, a herd immunity. I don't know, I'm not an expert. Then why would they cancel the surf comp is the question. I don't know, Hawaii's I don't know. I really don't know what's going on in Hawaii. I don't think that they have a pretty good handle on it. 
It's probably yeah. because people, everyone's flying there. Like the tourism's through the roof in Hawaii and it's, they've got to come from somewhere and they're probably all bringing COVID with them. And uh, I don't know. I don't know what the hospital situation, I don't know what the ICU bed situation is in Hawaii. I, I really don't have a clue on what's going on with COVID in Hawaii, but apparently it's not good. Um, it would indicate that there's some sort of a political reasoning to allow the football games to take place. You know, like that's a big ge- money generator, tax revenue money, generator. It comes down to money. But Everything so that does. makes that makes perfect sense to me that they would allow that to happen. But what doesn't make sense is why they would not allow the surfing to happen. Like the surfing yeah. contest is not going to create some huge spike in COVID outbreak, which would be the reason for canceling it. And although it wouldn't generate as much revenue, tax revenue as a football event, it will still generate some. And so it's just a bizarre thing that they want it, or it's just so low on their radar that they're just like, they're not even interested in addressing it, you know, so it gets back burnered. That could be. Yeah. Probably some of that too. It's strange. Certainly is a weird deal. Yeah, it is. Um, Speaking of contests. Yeah. We didn't really, we didn't really do a deep dive last week with trip, but um, the U S open finished last week, which was the first of four challenger series events and so the reason why this is interesting is um, wow, the they, they really missed a, they really missed a, you know, they dodged a bullet is what I'm trying to say. Oh, with, with the, the oil, oil spill? Spin. Totally. Yeah. Well, they canceled. There was the air show taking place that weekend. They canceled the air show on Sunday. Um, uh, but what's interesting, Scott, is that the Challenger Series dictates who makes it onto the CT. And there's four events. And... Katie Simmers, 15-year-old Katie Simmers, over Gabriella Bryan, whose name I was unfamiliar with until the U.S. Open. They're the two finalists. Gabriella actually sits number one in the rankings right now. But think about that. Through four events and in marginal waves this year, they can qualify and then be surfing G-Land next year and Sunset. I think, I mean... It is what it is. I was going to say, well, that's kind of cool. And in a way it is kind of cool because what's going to happen is we're going to see if they really deserve to be there. When it real comes quickly. To, yeah. Real, real quickly, especially at sunset, yeah. but um, we'll see. There's been, it's funny. There's been a lot of, I've seen a lot of discussion and content about this new wave of women surfing. That's going to, kind of take over and this is something you and i have been talking about for months we've been we've been saying you know look out for this next anyway my point is that somebody's listening to us because all you talk about the wsl yeah yeah. literally literally last week fat aki called in i played the call for you and trip fat aki called right exactly and said something but even before fat aki you and i've been saying it's happening like it's going to be mind-blowing when these girls come on tour well what was funny was fat aki said this is the new momentum generation, this women. Yeah. And then when I saw Dave Prodan's post from the lineup yesterday, that was the exact headline was, this is the new momentum generation. And I was like, well, the idea is floating out there in the ether. Maybe he didn't take it directly from Fat Aki's call, but it's, yeah. it's definitely happening. It it's definitely Yeah, happening. it's definitely obvious. I mean, when you see clips of Aaron Brooks, and I don't even know if she's trying to qualify or 
in many ways, she shouldn't. She should just do what she's doing. She's getting more attention than anybody just doing what she's doing. She almost doesn't even need to, to do the CT, although, I'm, you know, I'm a big fan of you're not really a champion until you're a champion. I'm a huge fan of the Rabbit Bartholomew school of you got to put on a jersey and do the deal. You know, you just can't be an Internet star well, and, and have it hold any water for any length of time. How dare you tell a 15 year old girl what she should and shouldn't do with her life, Scott? <laughs> I don't um, anyway. The hey, so the footage, have you seen it? Yeah, the recent yeah. stuff in the pool with those very vari- yeah. variations on airs. Yeah, but so here, here's the deal Aaron doesn't know what she wants to do. You're 15 years old, you shouldn't have your life mapped out yet. You should just be having a blast, and so good for her. And if she decides that she wants to qualify, she can do that. She can do that next year if she wanted to. She could do it when she's 25 if she wants to, in theory, you know. So I think. Let her just be a 15 year old girl. Yeah. I want her to just, again, it's not what I want for her, but (laughs) my point is, is that I would be stoked if she took the path less traveled. That's what I'm getting at. Um, I think she found out that she became like, like, you know, she studied, you know, gorillas in the mist or something, you know, like totally out there. I think she should just keep exploring uh, the world and, and, and improving her surfing, you know, just keep having fun and expanding your surf horizons. And then if it, if you find a competitive fire within you lean into that and see what that's about for a while. And if you make it onto a great, if you win a world title, great, but honestly, if you can figure out a way to do what you love without feeling any of the pressures that come along with the, I don't know, the professional side of it, then I think you're winning. You know, because I think what a wonderful thing to be able to surf professionally for a living. And if it becomes a job at some point and a burden, then that's a real tragedy. And sure, maybe with that comes three world titles because you burdened yourself with it. But I don't know. I'd also like to just enjoy it for a decade, you know, and maybe not get the three world titles, but make plenty of money, plenty of fun, plenty of friends along the way. That's good, too. So you're going to be a great dad. You've just given some really good advice. I'm, well, I've seen it happen too many times. I've seen it impressed. happen too many times. Um, so when is your the, child due? Well, it's due on the 27th, but Lauren is uh, fully uncomfortable and the baby's big. And so they're thinking about inducing as soon as next week. Rad. So we have, we have appointments twice a week at this point to monitor it. So it's, it's being heavily monitored and uh yeah, we'll it's, sex yet? it's a boy no way that's so rad good for you i mean uh, girls are great i i'm i have so much fun with my daughter she's wonderful yeah. so you can't go wrong either way we're very happy but, about it we're very excited hammer his name will be claw his name will be hammer his name will be planner his name will be sander his name will be nail flat Nail scales <laughs> Phillips. Phillips. Phillips scales. Um, Flathead well, sounds like a character in a cartoon. Yeah, Archie. Archie cartoon. Uh, so on the men's side, real quick for the Challenger series, your hometown boy, Jake Marshall, sitting number two. I know. Dude, we're psyched. That was kind of going down during the boardroom show, wasn't it? Yeah. That weekend. Yep. Because everyone at the boardroom show was like, Jake Marshall's in the finals. Jake Marshall, everyone was geeking to go watch it. I was I'm stoked for Jake Marshall. I'm stoked for the whole Marshall family. They're really wonderful family. So 
Kill How it. will he do at sunset? Guy rips. Jake will do fine. He, he, how he will he will. do at sunset? He He'll rips, but how will he do at sunset? He'll do fine. You know what? The thing is with Jake is he's in that great place where he grinded for, I don't know, he was on the QS or Challenger's Tours or whatever you want to call it for, I bet, five years or more and was kind of, I can't speak for him, but the vibe I was getting because my son's friends with him, the vibe I was getting that he was kind of like, ah, you know what? I, I gave it a good run, but maybe I should look in a different direction. And, and maybe this was, again, I don't know. I don't want to speak out of turn here because I'm kind of, you know, I know the family, but my point is, is that I sense that he's kind of, his, his mental state is freed up. It's not like it's this or nothing, you know, it's like he had already begun to look into the possibility of other options for his career. And well, um, so I think he'll be fine at sunset. I mean, this is a great question. I love this question. This should be our question. This is the spit question. How will they do at sunset? You know? And, and I, I think that, uh, I think he'll be good. I would like to see the sunset event almost like double pointed, you know, like, like that's how much, different of a wave it is than every other wave and i'm talking about g lamp pipe like they're all kind of like sunset is a different beast and it should almost have double points something like that would be kind of cool i know i'm i'm going so, out uh, i'm going down a rabbit hole a yeah, couple of thoughts i'm gonna i'm gonna take the opposite stance on jake and i'll okay. i'll set the table for the people jake marshall came up in southern california winning all the nssa events got all the big sponsorships and uh, the weight of the world was on his back. I mean, in the way that Chloe Andino was before him and Griffin Colapinto was kind of side by side with him. And Jake didn't execute on some of those ambitions uh, that were, or projections that were labeled. Or he was not scored correctly on some of it. I mean, he was super close to qualifying and many of us think he got ripped off. But go ahead. So he lost, then, then kind of the industry falls apart. COVID, yeah. whatever else, he lost all of his main sponsors. So Jake's now surfing in the US Open. I think he's riding sharp eyes. Does that sound right? Sure. I don't I think know he's riding sharp eyes. Would not surprise me at all. Um, but with no other sponsors on his board, which is weird to see somebody like Jake without those. So for him to kind of like the, what ultimately ended up happening was the structure of the system changed in a way that he's just been plugging away doing his whole thing, but the system almost eroded to where now there's four challenger series events. He did phenomenally in one, the first one, because it happened to be at a wave that he surfs all the time, a style of surfing that suits him. Well, what I'm going to argue against you is watching him versus uh, Griffin. There's a disparity. Like Griffin is on a different level and I don't know how Jake surfing translates to sunset, but when you look at people who are able to surf sunset versus thriving at sunset, you know, um, Jack Robinson thriving at sunset, I'm wondering where Jake fits into that, that paradigm. Like sure. Jake can get on tour. Will he be shaking up the tour? Will he be upsetting people the way that Morgan did this past year? Yeah, you know, just more more will be revealed. You know, um, I just I sense that there's sort of a, a a carefree, an easing up of the mental pressure because of all the things you mentioned, and it's just like 
go out and have, I think he's in a have fun type of frame. Okay, good. Friend. Good. Well, that's a good place to work from. Scott, should we, should we go to a quick commercial break? Yes, we should. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Whoop. Hell yeah. Whoop.com promo code is the word surf. You get a free whoop 4.0 strap and 15% off your membership when you use our promo code surf. 4.0. like my age, 4.0. And what is whoop, Scott? What does it mean to you? How has it affected your life? Well, Look, the Whoop 4.0 is really, for me, the best part about it is the sleep, like the ability to gauge my sleep, which I don't seem to be getting very much of. It does a lot of cool things, but for me, I, I really like you know it monitoring my sleep and where I'm at with that. And It's a digital fitness tracker. It is the most advanced fitness wearable on the market, the 4.0 version is. John John Florence uses it. Uh, Nathan Florence has been using it. And although it's a tr fitness tracker, it's really designed around the concept of recovery. And so it's important to not just monitor your exertion, but also monitor what's going on at night and how well you're sleeping and your body's processing all of that and recovering, and then apply it to your workout. Yeah. The 4.0 basically tells me, Hey, today's a recovery day, or today you can go full 110% or today, maybe just go 80%, whatever the case may be. And, uh, it's, it's a powerful tool for people like me and you that are living, you know, aggressive lifestyles. The cool thing about the 4.0 strap is that it is smaller, sleeker. It is a biometric tracker. So it sits on your wrist, but it uh, is so small that it actually fits under your wetsuit. So you can wear it 24 hours a day. It um, measures skin temperature, blood oxygen, much, much more. All of that information gets sent to your phone. So the device itself doesn't have a screen. There's no buttons. There's no annoying notifications, but you can open up the app on your phone and it has all of your vitals, super important information that you could then share with a physician, a coach, a personal trainer. It's just automatically collecting that data 24 seven, whether you're working or sleeping. So whoop.com is the website W H O O P. And then use our promo code, which is the word surf. And you will get 15% off your membership and a free Whoop 4.0 strap. Right on. Whoop 4.0. Whoop.com promo code surf. And it also ties in beautifully with our other sponsor, Scott, which is Athletic Greens. David, today's program is brought to you by Athletic Greens, the health and wellness company that makes comprehensive daily nutrition really, really simple. Use athleticgreens.com slash surf to support us, David, you and I, and get one year of vitamin D immunity boost for free. Everybody needs immunity boost, uh, especially going into the winter months, by the way, less exposure to the sun, that vitamin D would help. Um, and again, my life has only gotten busier and busier. I got a kid on the way. Unless I map out, nutrition is the very first thing to suffer. And then everything else suffers as a result, including my mood, my work, my surfing. So AG1 is the new formulation by Athletic Greens, and uh, it is the simple solution in one scoop. AG1 is the category-leading superfood product. It's comprehensive and convenient daily nutrition designed for everyone, regardless of age or activity level. And David, my kitchen's been getting torn up, and I tell you what, my nutrition is lagging, and thank God they sent me the new AG1 by Athletic Greens. I'm super stoked on it. Take a bunch of pills and capsules 
That's hard on the stomach and hard to keep up with. But if you use AG1, it simplifies nutrition by giving you the one thing with all the best things. AG1, David. Yeah, the one scoop, it's a powder that you just mix with water, but the one scoop contains 75 vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced ingredients, including multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic, green superfood blend, and more. Fills the nutritional gaps in your diet, aids with gut health, digestion, supports a healthy immune system. It effectively replaces all those pills that you were talking about that are actually hard on your stomach. And it's just in one healthy eight ounces mixed with water. And David, it's dairy-free, vegan, keto, and paleo-friendly, contains less than one gram of added sugars, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything. Use our portal, athleticgreens.com slash surf to support our show, support David and Scott, and improve your health at the same time. I am sold, Scott. I'm on it. I had it every day. In fact, here it is right here, the AG1 new container with the powder inside. I don't want to make a mess, so I'm not going to tip it that much, but I had mine this morning. And again, you'll get a one-year supply of immunity-boosting vitamin D liquid drops uh, that you just add to your AG1 powder and eight ounces of water, and it covers all of your nutritional needs needs for the day. It's a 20-second commitment every day to optimize your health, athleticgreens.com slash surf. I was going to ask you, you said last week that you were watching the um, Surf Ranch Classic, the longboard event. Yes. Yes, I was. Is it, were you actually? <laughs> I was. I was sitting oh, here okay. like right there on my other screen watching it. Just yeah. during the duration of our chat or are you actually watching? Yeah, while we were talking. Yeah, while we were having our show, I was just like, oh, just watch this and see what's happening here, you know? Who won? I don't know who won. <laughs> I just watched <laughs> a few heats. I'm not sure, but. Um, I saw um, some good surfing, you know, I saw some good, I, I, my takeaway is that I think that that wave is actually good for longboard contest. Yeah. It's just it like actually, a perfect, it's ideal for nose riding. Yeah. It looked, uh, I tried to watch it. So I went back and tried to watch, I couldn't find any of the waves that I wanted to watch. So apparently Honolulu Bloomfield who won the women's division got a 10 in the final. Couldn't find it. I was like, what the heck, man. <laughs> and then, so Honolulu, congratulations. And then Edouard yes. Del Perro won the men's side. He, apparently he's a French longboarder. So congratulations to Edouard as well. All right. Congrats. Yeah. David, the, um, for us here in the, uh, well, I guess it's all around the globe, but for sure in the North Pacific, Northern Hemisphere, I should say, we have an ENSO alert system status. That's the El Nino system uh, observations. So we're looking at La Nina. It looks like a La Nina watch is underway. Um, we are transitioning, David, from ENSO neutral, which means they're not sure what's happening. Everything, all the indicators seem to be neutral to a La Nina favored next couple of months with an 80% chance of La Nina during the Northern Hemisphere winter coming up. So no El Nino, the opposite La Nina, which is what we had last year Yeah, uh, on schedule. There's always waves. We could always find waves. Um, Tell me about the scales of justice. Yeah. Did you see this DM come through? No. I don't know if this is a proper scales of justice, but he labeled it as a scales of justice question, sent it to both of us. He said, I ordered a custom board. It's a lost RNF. uh, And I, and it showed up with glass on fins. The shop didn't charge him for them, nor did the shaper. Usually glass ons are an upcharge. The board is beautiful. I'm stoked. 
but I pretty much cannot travel with it. And if I do break a fin, I've broken a few fins on older RFNs that I own, the repair is gonna be a pain in the butt. So what is the court's ruling? Should I be stoked by this gift or should, because you know it's an upcharge that he didn't have to pay for, or should I be bummed at the inconvenience of having the glass on and not being able to travel? And should I say anything to the retailer? What say you, Scott? Um, what say me is I think you should be stoked that you have glass on fins. Now you should say something to the retailer. I would reach out and go, Hey, I got glass on fins. What's the deal? And yeah. And, but I'm stoked on glass on fins personally. And as far as traveling, I don't think it's a problem. You just, I don't either. I mean, it's a little bit of a problem, but you just gotta, you can pack your board. You're going to have to pack your board correctly. You can't just might throw have, it in the bag like you could without things. He might have like a super, one of the super slim bags and he, he can fit three boards in it. Now that he has glass on, he'll only be able to bring two boards or something like that. Um, yeah, that's a problem. That is a bit of a so problem. What's interesting is he said it was a custom. So it's not like you go return it. It's not like you go swap it out for another version off the rack that doesn't have the glass on. So he is in a, a conundrum, but hey, everybody makes mistakes. Shapers make mistakes. Maybe the retailer made the mistake. He ended up with this. I would embrace it, like you said, and uh, see what, I mean, you said you love glass on fins. Why do you love glass on fins? And see if he can unlock that. Yeah. I mean, if you're asking me why I like glass on fins, which it sounds like you did. Yeah. Um, I just feel like there's just a real purity to the feel of the board. There's a real, it just feels solid. It, um, you know, I, I've got a couple boards with glass on fins, a couple tri fins, and they, they just, I don't know if it's because the fins are glassed on or if it's some other aspect of the board, but the board just feels buttery and pure and solid. And it just feels like a solid state surfboard. And it's kind of hard for me to characterize it in any other way. It just feels right. And, um, so Anytime I get a board with glass on fins, I'm kind of stoked. Yeah. I haven't read. I was just scratching my memory. I can't remember the last board I got with glass on fins and I'm not opposed to them at all. And I grew up riding them and I like, you know, never had a problem with them. Um, so I'm curious now I'm almost inspired. Yeah. I'm, I have a couple of Christiansons with glass on fins and I'm, they're just, they're like go-to boards to me. They're like boards with like, okay. I need a board that I can count on. And yeah. it's like the board with the glass on fans. Well, there's a convenience. Like if I'm going not... to blacks or something, you know, like I'm like, okay, I'm going to black, like, like a legit wave. There's a convenience in um, not having to think about anything. Right. Just like not having to question your decision-making part in this process and just show up on rely on the equipment. Yeah. Yeah. There's that too. Why don't we see more pros riding them? Well, for a long time we did. Like, yeah, there was a time there, like in the Parco Andy Irons era, where those guys demanded glass on fins, yeah. and everyone else was. But what happened, of course, is that the fin companies are like, "Bro, let's get you Parco fins, and you'll get a cut of every set." You know, like there was money involved, exactly. so they all went to boxes. Right, and they were doing fine with those too. So, yeah, but for our listener, I say keep the board be psyched and, uh, embrace it. Absolutely. Uh, 
So Scott, you know who my Duke is this week? Um, would I know? Should I know? Could I know? Probably not. Okay. Who's you your, who's your shot Duke? in the dark if you your, want? Your Duke Kahanamoku. Nathan Fletcher. Oh Nathan. my God, that aerial was insane. On the cover of the Surfer's Journal. I didn't even see the cover. I just saw that. Have you seen the video of it? No. Yeah, there's a oh. video of it. Out this there. one that you're talking about? Yeah. You see that? Does he, he yeah. doesn't land it? He, he lands it. it out the back. He lands okay. it like on the top of the back of the wave. Okay. Well, I mean, Nathan has been, um, he's been in our conversation for the last year or so. The guy is, I don't know how old he is. He's in his 40s for sure. And he is setting the standard. Like he, he, I think he entered our conversation. Well, I interviewed him like two years ago. He made a movie, Heavy Water. So there was that. But then he entered our conversation as the judge of Stab High on the boat trip. And the reason why, yeah. not just as a judge, he went out there and stomped the craziest straight air of the event. And so it was like, wow, the judge is actually setting the standard for the gnarliest air of the event. So there he's blips on our radar. But then as a judge for this last stab, uh, stab high event, you pointed out he was just really, really insightful, surprisingly articulate, really insightful, added a tremendous amount to that event. Like he was a huge value to that event. And, um, and then we're watching what he's doing in the water and he's still setting, setting kind of, uh, the boundary for these kids. Anyways, he got the cover shot of this month's Surfer's Journal magazine. All of our listeners should be subscribing to the Surfer's Journal. Nathan also posted on Instagram yesterday that cover shot with the very first cover shot that he ever got of the Surfer's Journal, which came out in 1991. So a full 30, <laughs> a full, yeah, 30 years ago uh, when he was, 12, cool. he was 12 years old at that time. So... Um, I, dude, I've got the funniest vision of Nathan Fletcher. I don't know if I've told you this, but I went down to Herbie Fletcher's longboard contest in Cabo and this was right around 1991. And, um, I forget the exact year, but Nathan joined this heavy metal group on stage on the beach right there at zippers in a raging torrential downpour with like crazy lightning. Like it was just like raging storm. But one of those calm, like no wind storms, it was just raining straight down, but it wasn't like windy. Anyway, Nathan's 12 years old and he's playing with this crazy, like heavy metal band. And, it, you know, just imagine 12 year old Nathan Fletcher with like a heavy Gibson. It was it was mind blowing. And if he was jamming, too. He was like fully into it. Everyone was screaming. The whole place was just raging. It was a pretty funny vision. I and had. it was improvised. He wasn't scheduled to play with them. I mean, I think he, the band, I think was from San Clemente. I forget the name okay. of them, but, I, but he, he was like friends of the band for sure. Well, I'm a, I've become a huge fan of Nathan. Um, obviously he's a charger and big surf, but the stuff that he's doing now is just mind blowing. So seems to have no, I think he's kind of like, I'm um, sorry, go ahead. He seems to have no regard for his bones, for his health and well being. You know, he's just sending complete caution to the wind. It's incredible. He's hitting his peak. He He's hitting re his peak career. He reminds me of Clint Eastwood, kind of. Really? Because he's, like you said, yeah, because he's, you know, he's doing his best work later on in, in his career. 
Yeah. You know, and, and he's, and he's, uh, he's cogent, you know, he's valid. Like yeah. he's got stuff to say that's super important. You know, it's not like he's just going, Hey, here I am. Check me out. He's like, he's, he's, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like the way Clint kind of had a really strong, you know, later act in his career. That's kind For of how sure. I feel Nathan. Well, um, I will then encourage Nathan to take a page out of the opposite of Clint, which is quit while you're ahead and on a high note, quit while you're ahead. Because if you've watched Clint's latest movie on HBO, Cry Macho, it's so bad. It's unwatchably bad and cringy. That's what my wife said. She goes, oh my God, it's the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. It's, it's horrendous, dude. It's, and I'm a huge Clint fan. And even his last movie, uh, Richard, uh, yeah, whatever that El Camino or something. What was it? No, no that El was Camino. good too. Grant Torino was great, but he did Richard Jenkins or Richard Jekyll or whatever that was a year or two ago. That was fine. Oh. This horrendous dude. He's 92 years old, getting into fist fights and riding Broncos still. Like literally. Yeah, I've heard it's he horrible. Can't, he can't walk from point A to point B to engage in the fist fight but then they cut to a fist fight and he's like throwing a huge punch, you know, or he's, he's on a Bronco doing a full on like bucking Bronco scene, but he couldn't walk to get to the horse, you know, just, it's completely insane. But the whole idea with the film is you don't want to spend your whole life crying macho quote unquote. You don't want to spend your whole life pretending like you're a tough guy because it's a farce and it's a bunch of wasted energy. And so it, I think it's yeah. his swan song. It's him like literally saying, I've pl- spent my whole life acting in films, playing a tough guy. And it was all a farce because I'm really a softy inside. That's the sentiment of the film. Oh, well then, okay. Maybe there's some, he's, some he's, redeeming quality to it. The sentiment is sweet. It's just horribly executed and way too on the, no- on the nose. He's coaching up some kid who's a cockfighter with a cock named macho, you know, it's just like, it's way too on the nose. You see where it's going. And then they're like, yeah. And the rooster's name is macho. And you're like, wait a second. Could we at least call him like nacho, like a reference to macho or something like anything other than it was, dude, it was horrible. It was horrendous. Oh my Lordy. Anyway. So Nathan Fletcher, Nathan Fletcher quit while you're ahead. Quit while you're ahead. You're doing fan. great now. You're doing, keep it up for five years and then go out on a high note. And find the clip online, you guys, of him. I'm sure everyone's seen it. I saw it. It was floating around on my Instagram. It's insane. The aerial, I mean, the amount of coverage and it's mind blowing. Yeah. And he, he was self propelled. That wasn't toe end or toe at. Oh, no, no. Total. Was that a pipeline? Everything. I think so. Yeah. That'll get you there. Or, or rock, maybe Rocky Lefts or something. I don't know. All right. Well, hey, thanks to um, Neat Essentials, Real Water Sports, and of course, athleticgreens.com slash surf. And of course, Whoop, new sponsor, Whoop. Whoop. I got my Whoop strap on right now. And um, yeah, promo code surf at checkout. You get 15% off, which is huge. Absolutely. Um, You know what? Go check them out. Whoop and Athletic Greens AG1, baby. All right, Scott. Until next week, huh? Yeah. Yeah, until next time, adios and aloha. Everybody's talking at me. I don't hear words saying. Only the echoes of my mind. 
People stopping still I can't see their faces Only the shadows of their eyes I'm going while the sun keeps shining Through the pouring rain Going well the weather suits my clothes Banking off of the northeast winds Sailing on summer breeze And skipping over the ocean like a stone My clothes Banking off of the northeast winds Sailing on summer breeze And skipping over the ocean Like a stone Everybody's talking at me Can't hear a word they're saying Only the echoes of my mind I won't let you leave my love behind No, I won't let you leave 